Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this epic more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host Eric Pfeiffer joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey guys. Welcome to episode 173 of Twin Suns Transmission and we are going to conclude our discussion on Disney Gallery The Mandalorian with episode 8 which just came out this past Friday and that is the final episode of this series which I'm sad to see it go but it was a fantastic final episode one of the longest ones that they had on the show and so it'll be fun talking about that. We also have a, another member of our team, another new member, who actually has the same name as the member that we introduced last time, and that is Christian. This is Christian number two, so I'm excited to talk to him and introduce him. And of course, Jesse, we have some news. Yes, so we have gotten a ton of more details about the new game coming out from EA, Star Wars Squadrons. Um, we've gotten now a trailer as well as a gameplay trailer, um, and there was a ton of information in this gameplay trailer with confirmation that I'm going to throw up for sure. Can't emphasize you, you're that. You're automatically going to throw up if you say you are. You just have to no. try it first. I went back and tried to. I restarted my Battlefront uh, single player campaign, and it it took a lot of like of like deep breathing to get through every single time you have to get there's so many times where you get in a tie that I, I ended up quitting very early towards the <laughs> beginning again and turning it off because it was getting me um but I have to say that it looks like this is going to be a, an elevated version if you know I if I'm saying that correctly of of that kind of of gameplay it looks more sophisticated than yeah. what we get in battlefront it's so like, who knows it could be a completely different feel it's like the starfighters game modes on battlefront on steroids is what it seems like <laughs> right and there's gonna be it's a whole new swath of locations that look really cool highly recommend getting on ea.com uh, and looking through some of the concept art that they have up you can you can scroll through every single ship every single location um, and there's a ton of information on the ships. And something that really stuck out to me on the website was when you click on each individual ship, it tells you the cockpit visibility because of the way you're actually like sitting in the ship. That's like your view of the game. And you've got the control panel in front of you. So each different ship like blocks your view to a different extent and in a different way. So I thought that was a really interesting new feature because you're going to have the actual you're going to be able to control your shields and it's not going to just yeah. be you know a little side because in battlefront it was just that little side like 
panel where it was like, oh, press right trigger to do this. But this looks like you have like way more control of all your ship's uh, special functions, which seems really cool. Yeah, it's making it more realistic too. You know, if you have a different vehicle, obviously the the feel and the and the look are going to be different. Right, and one thing that was kind of a bummer for you and me. I don't know so much for me, but for you, um, we have Xbox and the virtual reality aspect of this is only going to be available for PlayStation 4 and the PC. So that looks like something that would be really, really cool, but you'd have to have the stomach for that for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I was talking to my friend too, uh, and I have the Oculus Quest, which is like a virtual reality, you know, gaming system and i was like i don't know why they wouldn't put it on there and he's like oh well you can if you have like a a high-powered computer like a high-powered pc you can access it on your quest through there i'm like are you sure i don't know if that's possible but obviously i don't have like a a high-powered gaming computer so it doesn't it doesn't even matter at all whether that's accurate or not i don't know but yeah it sucks but at least we'll be able to play on xbox one and maybe there'll be less of a chance of you puking but maybe not I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so this game is set to release on October 2nd. It'll retail at $39.99. And this is interesting because it's Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC with cross-play between platforms, which is really cool. So if you have friends that have PlayStation and you're on Xbox, you'll be able to play with them. At least that's what it seems. So that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to pick it up. I mean, it's cheaper than most games. Oh, yeah. Most games are like $59.99, so. Yeah, I was going to say, it is much cheaper. I'm going to pick it up no matter what. I always have to at least get my hands on a new Star Wars game and try it. Um, If I throw up, I throw up. It's whatever. (laughs) I think you just need to have somebody get you past the Starfighter parts on Battlefront so you can play the actual campaign. Somebody might. After COVID, you might just have to, like, come over... I'll bring my whole Xbox over and you could just get me through. Is it just the is it just the beginning? Uh I think there's like a couple parts where you have to play as the tie. Uh, and I'm playing on easy mode. I'm not like a gamer. I'm not a console gamer. I'm not I do not have great control. So I'm <laughs> I'm really great at Mario Kart. But <laughs> but these types of games i do not do well so i'm on like the easiest mode and i'm crashing into everything i just can't get through it and all at the same time it it makes me actually sick so hopefully hopefully this game won't do that to me because it does look really cool like even i felt like the graphics even when i mean i know it's it's a trailer and it could look different when we get to play but just like as the ships were shooting and actually hitting things there was like a reaction to the hit to like you'd get an explosion every time you hit something i don't know if that was just a trailer thing or if that's how it's going to look in gameplay too because that is just far more realistic it's the worst when you're like shooting you know an x-wing like five times and it doesn't react until it finally like dies you know yeah i always thought that was weird so i think it would be cool if that was really part of it yeah Another thing that I think is really cool about the game is the timeline and the story. I could have swore I heard Moff Gideon talk. I heard uh, Giancarlo Esposito's voice. 
Now, mm-hmm. it could just be me, and I could be wrong on that, but it's what it sounded like. And, of course, we saw Hera in the gameplay trailer, which looks really cool. And so this is going to take place after the destruction of the second Death Star. So the Imperial fleet is going to be going up against the New Republic, which will be pretty cool. We got Wedge, too. Yeah. All right, let's go into the next piece of news, which is fairly heartbreaking for me. But it's the right choice. So we've been talking about Star Wars Celebration and are they going to cancel and are they not and what's going to happen. They've canceled everything else, but not Celebration. They're stringing us on. But we finally got confirmation from Lucasfilm this past week that Star Wars Celebration will be canceled. And this is uh, what Lucasfilm said. So it's Star Wars Celebration. The health and safety of our fans, attendees, exhibitors, guests, and staff is always our number one priority. Due to the global impact of the COVID-19 virus and in speaking with local and state authorities on the latest public health guidelines related to indoor conventions, we have made the decision to cancel Star Wars Celebration for 2020. While this news is disappointing, we are happy to announce that Star Wars Celebration will return to the Anaheim Convention Center on August 18th through the 21st, 2022. So we've got essentially a two-year delay uh, for Star Wars Celebration. It'll be in the same location, the Anaheim Convention Center, about two years from when it was originally scheduled. Now, obviously this is the right choice, but as I've said on multiple podcasts, Star Wars Celebration is my favorite thing in the world. It's literally the the week I look forward to most out of the year, and uh, it's being pushed back for another two years so obviously that sucks but i think it's a right call to ensure the safety of everybody involved yeah it definitely is i would have been really worried about you guys if you ended up going this year just because everything still seems like a mess and nothing seems figured out yet some states are getting worse some states are getting better and going it's like a pinball match where we have nothing figured out so it's yeah definitely the right move and on the bright side because you actually did buy a ticket and you're going to just transfer it you get that really cool stormtrooper pin yes yes you get a stormtrooper (laughs) pin so obviously like you said you can transfer your tickets um which is exciting so yeah all right before we get into our main topic of discussion i would like to introduce our newest member of the team or one of our newest members of the team christian christian thank you so much for joining us here on twin sons transmission it's an absolute honor to be able to talk to you for the first time and i'm really excited to bring you aboard to twin sons outpost yeah, I'm really glad uh, to be on the podcast the first time, too, and really glad to be part of Twin Sons Outpost as well. Uh, I've always kind of thought of you guys as a very well-established site, always posted really insightful things on your uh, uh, the book club page. So I was really excited when uh, I got reached out to you about joining you guys. Yeah, so the book club is relatively new, and uh, it's been essentially... Jesse, Amanda, and I that have been working on it for about a year now. We just celebrated our one-year anniversary of our book club launch, and I know that that is something that you are heavily involved with is Star Wars books. So um, you're going to be doing some book reviews and things like that for us, which is going to be awesome. It's something that we're we're, uh, definitely excited to have, and you're going to be doing a couple of those every month. 
which is awesome. And so what I want to do is I want to just ask you a couple questions here to let our listeners kind of uh, get to know you a little bit. So since you're going to be doing a lot regarding the books, I want to know what are your top three Star Wars books that you've read? Oh, man, that is a really good question. Um, for some of the obvious answers, I think Lost Stars by Claudia Gray yeah. is the best story that I've read so far in the Star Wars universe. I don't think it maybe adds too much to like Star Wars lore or anything like that. The characters don't really change how we view um, the overall story of Star Wars, but that's the book that I would recommend to people who don't read Star Wars novels just because it's so well constructed. The plot's incredible. It's very exciting. The characters are developed so well. So Lost Stars is definitely in top three. Uh, I think Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. Oh, yeah. Is a book that is not talked about enough. In a lot of ways, it felt um, a lot like what people wanted the relationship between Ray and Kylo Ren to be. Kind of uh, with uh, Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Voss. Kind of the pull between the light and the dark. Sort of like a forbidden relationship between them um, being formed and just the whole story of moving from dark to light for both characters was just fascinating to see before I purchased the book I checked multiple times to make sure it was canon because it just felt too good to be true to get uh, a story like that and Christy Golan did a wonderful job with it so I think that's definitely in top three as well probably my favorite one that I've read is Master and Apprentice, also uh, by Claudia Gray. I love the prequel universe. Um, the prequels are my favorite movies of the trilogies, and I think the universe they created is the best part of the movies. Maybe not the story itself, but just the complex universe. And I love content from that universe, and Master and Apprentice was incredible. Really added to character development of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. I love that whole Master and Apprentice relationship between them. And we got glimpses into other characters like Count Dooku, so... I think Master and Apprentice is probably my number one. Yeah, that was the first book that we did for our book club, and I was, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed that book. It was, mm-hmm. it was awesome. I would have to agree too with Dark Disciple. That's that might be my favorite out of all the Star Wars books that I've read. So, good choices. Love those. Now mm-hmm. you do you have a, a style with your book reviews? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? So you sort of break it up into like characters and you have a rating system right so uh i know with like book reviews sometimes people give a score for the book and you don't always really know where that score came from you may talk about it but you don't really know exactly where these numbers are coming from Um, i'm a statistics guy so i like really showing where where each number comes from so i broke it down uh, between the characters the writing style Um, the plot, the intrigue you have during the novel, and then what the book actually adds to the Star Wars universe, usually relating to like Star Wars lore or um, cool characters or different perspectives on the story, what it's really adding to Star Wars. And then the final category is kind of an extra point section, um, whether it adds to logic within the Star Wars universe. We know that Star Wars is kind of prone to some plot holes or some confusing moments. So if the book helps explain some of these confusing moments or logic, I give it an extra point. But if it takes away from the logic, it might take away some points. And before I get to all of that, uh, I have a section that is my gut reaction. And I have this to kind of get my 
try and get my bias out of it. I can never get all of my bias out of a book review, but I give my kind of emotional response to the book to try and have a space for that. And I don't give a score to that because my bias shouldn't have a score, but that's uh, kind of the system I go off of for all of my book reviews. Yeah. It was a joy to read those too, because, you know, I, I love analyzing the books and, and kind of uh, taking a deeper look at what the characters in the book added to Star Wars and, and mm-hmm. kind of like you said, you know, what confusing points did this clear up um, in Star Wars? So and I think a lot of the books do that and, you know, more mm-hmm. so than any other franchise, fans of Star Wars love content in you know, the EU in comic books and video games and mm-hmm. in, in, in novels. So um, lots of good content so far. And, and I'm excited to see what, what comes next with uh, Shadowfall, which is going to be our book for the month of July, which I'm very excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of good stuff. All right. couple other real easy questions here coming up and then uh, and then we'll we'll let you continue on with your busy schedule. Um, what was the first Star Wars film that you saw in the theater? Oh, in the theater? That's a good question. I think it's actually Force Awakens, so a oh, pretty wow. pretty newer movie. Yeah, I was introduced to Star Wars um, at a young age. I'm not, I'm not very old. I'm 23. But I wasn't too into when Attack of the Clones and uh, Revenge of the Sith came out. Growing up, my world was a, the Phantom Menace and mm-hmm. the original trilogy. I didn't know there was other Star Wars so by that time, I kind of got around to watching all the films. They'd already come out. So I was glad Disney produced new films so I could see some in the theaters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, that's what's great about Star Wars is that, you know, people get into it at different times in their life. And we just talked about on our last podcast that, you know, The Mandalorian, one of the most recent additions to the Star Wars universe, is going to have fans that came into the Star Wars universe mm-hmm. through The Mandalorian. So it's cool how everyone has a different story. There's a lot of amazing books that are coming out. We've got Shadowfall, as I just said. Uh, we've got Thrawn uh, Ascendancy, Chaos Rising coming out mm-hmm. in September. We've got all of the High Republic content coming out early next year. So what would you say is, is uh, the book that you're looking forward to most? That's a good question. So... I'm currently reading Alphabet Squadron um, because I knew it's the book for next month, Shadowfall. I'm growing in excitement for that. Before, I didn't have too much excitement because I wasn't sure of the story. But now that I'm reading it, I'm getting close to halfway through. I'm really liking Alphabet Squadron, so I'm definitely excited for Shadowfall. And I'm also still working my way through the Thrawn trilogy. So uh, Timothy Zahn is fantastic, so I'm really excited for what he's getting into. But I think the... The High Republic is what I'm definitely most excited for. Certainly all of the books, but probably Claudia Gray's is the one I'm looking forward to the most. I think just as a storyteller, she's one of the best in Star Wars. And she also really adds cool stuff to Star Wars lore. And since they're working with a clean slate with High Republic, they have so much freedom to add to Star Wars lore. So I'm really excited um, for all those novels, but definitely Claudia Gray's the most. Oh, yeah. And I think with the High Republic, due to you know the hype that they've built up with even that trailer with all of the authors kind of in the same room working together as a team with a story group and all that, I think that's really going to add a lot to the universe because this is a, an era in Star Wars that we really haven't explored too much. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be be very exciting. Well, Christian, thank you so much for joining us. We're very excited about your book reviews, and we'll be looking out for your content coming up soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I'm really excited to add Christian to the team. He's got a lot of really cool ideas and insights to some of the books that we're going to be reading in our TSO book club. And I'm excited to uh, post some of the reviews that he's got. We're going to be having some of those on our uh, our blog coming up here soon. So uh, some of the ones that he's already written prior to when he got onto TSO, we're going to be uh, funneling some of those in on our blog. So uh, just be on the lookout for those as well. All right, let's go into our main topic of discussion, which is on Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, Episode 8, which was called Connections. And this was the final one. And Jesse, I think this was one of the best ones. I think when you get to talking about Star Wars, one of the things that people really love is being able to see the continuity between all aspects of Star Wars. And this really showed how important that was not only to to Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau, but to Lucasfilm as a whole. And I think it was awesome seeing some of these Easter eggs and deep cuts that Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau brought into The Mandalorian. Yeah, I I love hearing them geek out about all this stuff. It just reminds you that they're just as big as fans as we are, and that is exactly why they're working on this. Um, but this whole episode, I, I did love it so much because it, it really felt like it was it was like watching them record every podcast that was recorded about the Mandalorian as the episodes were coming out, because this is like the stuff we were geeking out over over the course of every new episode coming out and recording about it and being like, oh, that was from this and how cool that they have that and it was a whole episode of them geeking out just like we did, so it was cool to see. Yeah. I really like how they described it, too. So when coming up with The Mandalorian, Dave Filoni basically said, you know, this is basically like when your big brother took all the cool toys, but you yeah. somehow ended up with a Boba Fett, painted him silver, and you still had, like, all the all the background characters, like the Ugnuts and the Jawas, and, you know, the peg warmers, I think he called them. The, the action yeah. figures that warm the pegs at the store. And I thought that was a, a really good analogy because that does kind of seem what, like, what it was when watching yeah. it. Yeah, it's a great analogy. And I think he said it at Star Wars Celebration, too, in that panel. Because um, as soon as he said it, I had, like, deja vu of him already saying it. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure he said it at Celebration. <laughs> yeah. And so, essentially, what this this part was, this episode, um, was kind of... John Favreau and Dave Filoni showing us all the Easter eggs that they brought in. And some of them you could obviously see, you know, you, you notice Moss Eisley, you notice the dark saber, you know, you noticed the ice cream maker. I feel like a lot of people noticed that from mm-hmm. Will Rowe hood, the, the guy on cloud city in episode five running with the ice cream maker. And you know, they brought that in the cam tono, I think they called it the you know that carried around the best car which was awesome but to me i found some that i didn't even realize were in there and now when i go back and watch it i think it's going to be even that much more exciting to watch like r5d4 you know the little droid that has the bad motivator that was really cool and to see dave floney like go into so much detail just to show 
like where the bad motivator was like let's put some oil and you know let's put some of that stuff on there like they go into such detail just to make things perfect you know it was those elements too that allowed this brand new story a very first star wars live action with all new characters be so recognizably star wars is because they went in and took these deep cuts as they call them and just scattered them from beginning to end and filled the entire foreground and background with them um and it just made it that much more special yeah absolutely and i think you know it's all it's using resources from every part of star wars to bring it in to make everything mesh and one thing that john favreau said that i thought was pretty interesting was that he you know, he wanted to know how this is going to play with the fans, with everything that they were going to bring in. How would this, how would this play with the fans? And I think, you know, to a certain extent, fan service. And some people don't like that term. And some people are like, well, what's wrong with fan service? It's what the fans want. Why wouldn't you want to give the fans what they want? And like, I get that. But sometimes, what's best for the story isn't necessarily what all the fans want. You know. And so mm-hmm. I think it's just a, a happy medium. Um, I understand. Yeah. A lot of times people don't like The Last Jedi because it's so different and it's not what they were expecting. And, you know, The Force Awakens has a very similar storyline to A New Hope, but a lot of people like that. And so, I don't know. It's just a matter of preference. No matter what you do, you're not going to please everybody. But I think Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau taking into account what the fans want to see, you know, helped made this show popular. Yeah, I feel like this was fan service used in the best way it can be and in a way that I definitely heard no one complain about. This is like probably the most universally loved Star Wars of the new era. So I feel like they took, I mean, everything that comes forward is going to be fan service no matter what, because this is still going because we're still here and because people like me are just like jumping on and discovering it still and so i mean it's going to be a thing but when they use it in such a way where it's just what makes you recognize it as star wars and it's things where like the way that um i don't remember if it was john or or dave that were explaining it this way where it's like you know you could sit down with someone who's not a star wars fan watch it and enjoy it but then the star wars fan is sitting there and being like oh my gosh that's that's the ice cream maker. Like that's, right. that's what makes it all the more fun. And, and could, that's something that could then drag your non star Wars friend down the rabbit hole yeah. um, to becoming a big fan. And I think even sort of building off what you just said, you know, when Dave was talking about, I think it was IG 11, they refer back to IG 88. And he said that he literally didn't do anything. He didn't even have feet. He was bolted into the <laughs> ground he literally like turned his head and that was it. And so if you were watching, you know, the Mandalorian with a new fan and they said, Oh, IG 11. And you're like, Oh my gosh, that's like IG 88. And they're like, well, what IG 88 do? He didn't do anything, but it does something in your mind. And when it does something in your mind that makes you enjoy it more because it's like bringing back something that you recognize. And so I don't know, I think it was awesome. And I, I love how Dave sort of worded that. And I think it's so true, you know, even if something doesn't do anything, it makes you think back to something else you saw. And I think it's, it's so accurate. 
to what happens. Yeah, and even when they're talking about, you know, blending what we knew to be stop motion characters into, you know, the real tech of, you know, all the crazy, amazing technological advances television and movies have made these days, like when they were talking about um, the ATSTs and the blurgs, about how there's something about the way they move in stop motion that makes them what they are. So they had to sit there and and think to themselves, how do we still make this what you the quirkiness of what you love from stop motion, but like elevate it into something that's gonna look right, like something that's gonna look like it fits into a high tech show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they they just knocked it out of the park with the whole show. Um and not only the Mandalorian, but this behind the scenes thing, this Disney gallery. One part that I really liked, and and this could be because I'm a member of this group, but the 501st had a whole segment in this final episode. And for those of you who don't know what the 501st is, I'm sure many of you do know, but it's essentially a worldwide costuming organization that is all volunteers. And we make costumes that uh, essentially look screen accurate. So we have to go through an approval process uh, that is approved by garrison leadership and and things like that. And they kind of go through and approve costumes and you have to send them pictures. And if they're not right, they make you change it. And then once you get approved, then you can start doing troops, which are essentially events. Um, we do a lot of charity events. Now, I haven't done an event in a, in a little while. Uh, so I think I'm technically considered reserve or something like that. You have to do one troop every year to continue to stay active, and it's been a crazy couple of years, so I haven't been able to get out and do one. But I think if I do one now, I'm active again or something. I don't know. But it's it's a fantastic group. You meet some amazing people, and, you know, it's all bad guys. The 501st is all bad guys. And so for the show, they needed almost double the amount of stormtroopers that they had. And so they brought in all these 501st members. And essentially, it's even more crazy with uh, something like this, this high-profile event. I've done a couple events for Lucasfilm in my Stormtrooper where you literally have to like not only submit pictures or be approved, but you have to then submit pictures to a Lucasfilm approval person, like an events person wow. that approves it. And so they have to like match up your armor with, you know, everything else. And typically if you do an event, they want everyone that are around the same height, things like that. So it's, it's really, really crazy. Um, and so I got to see like a couple people that I knew on there that I've met before, uh, which was really cool. So it's awesome. And now the costumes that they made, the Stormtrooper armor that you put your blood, sweat, and tears into is screen used. I mean, insane. I would basically retire my armor and build a whole new set. <laughs> right. Like, this is now worth a gazillion more than it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just... I, I'm so proud of, of all the 501st members because they even talked about... they. Members in the 501st know how to run like stormtroopers. They know how to stand like stormtroopers. They know how to shoot blasters. And they were just the most energetic because, I mean, they didn't really even know what they were being, you know, escorted to. They didn't know that they were coming to film The Mandalorian. And they just thought it was some other high-profile Lucasfilm event, which we do. And so, you know, you surprise them with a day of shooting and 
I don't know if it was one day or multiple days, but it just looks so awesome. And to be a part of Star Wars in the costume you made, there's right. got to be no better feeling in the world. I can't imagine. They all just looked like they were like stunned. Yeah. But that's where they were. I am. That's so cool that they got to be included in this special because. I mean, you're, I just kept thinking about how there's that part where they talk about, oh, yeah, we'll send you guys the pictures when it's out. Like, could you imagine, like, losing your mind? You're on the set of Star Wars. They probably took your phone away. You don't even have it. And all you want to do yeah. is, like, take pictures of everything and remember that moment forever. But you're relying on, you know, whatever pictures they took of you that day. So it's cool that they also have this, like, episode that they can look back on. Yeah. of like their day on set yeah. is really neat. Yeah, and you have to sign NDAs, so, like, you can't really say anything to anyone, really, you know? Right. And when it finally comes out that you're in it, like, it's, you know, then you can start telling people. And there's actually a Mandalorian, like, it's advertised. It's a Hasbro three and three quarter inch figure, part of the vintage collection. So it's a Stormtrooper, but it's advertised as a Stormtrooper from the Mandalorian. So I've already seen, like, some of my friends on Facebook, the, one of the guys that I knew that was in it, he um, had somebody send him one to sign it. So, like, these people Aww. are signing, you know, the Hasbro figures yeah. of Mandalorian Stormtroopers, which is awesome. That's really cool. I didn't even think about that. Like, they have their own figures. Yeah. Of themselves. <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. So really happy for for all my brothers and sisters. There were both men and women in their uh, in their in their armor. Um, just regular yeah. people like you and me, you know, moms and daughters, yeah. and they were talking about that. Like, it's crazy. Living the dream, literally. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things too with this. Uh, before we go, we'll touch on a couple other quick things. Um, but going to Galaxy's Edge, there is a X-wing that is part of like the resistance area and that was the x-wing that they actually used in the mandalorian for the x-wing pilots to film their shots in and i thought that was incredible that was because i stood right by that i have pictures of that on my phone like it's crazy that screen used too now <laughs> yeah so. i wonder if all the modifications they had to make to it just stayed in it because they said they, there wasn't a seat really right. Um, there's just like a bar. So I wonder if they kept all that in or if they had to like structurally change it to turn it back into what it was for Galaxy's Edge. It'd be cool if they left it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember seeing anyone inside it. I don't think. I don't think like Ray goes in there or anything. But I'm assuming if you're going to make all these modifications, you might as well keep it instead of right. like wreck it again, you know? Yeah. So. Um, all right. So. Before we go, obviously, there's a ton of Easter eggs in this, and I want you guys to go watch it yourself if you haven't already done that, because it really is a treat to to get to see how much effort and thought went into bringing in some of these cool Easter eggs. But what I want to do uh, is talk about, maybe pick one thing, Jesse, from your notes that you thought was one of the coolest things in, um, in this, and I'll go first, and then you can pick yours. Uh, but okay. for me, it was really cool to see not only the cantina being built again and them going down to like the smallest little detail with like 
oh, this little droid thing has the red circle, this one has the green yeah. circle, and we're making it accurate to what it looked like in the original film. And not only that, but I think we had talked about this when we were talking about this episode of The Mandalorian. I think it was episode, uh, I think, seven, maybe, with Toro Calican. Was that seven? No, it was before that. I think it was like five? Uh, five? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. But um, anyway, so they go into this, the Mando goes into this bar, right? The uh, Chalman's Cantina. And the droids weren't allowed in there, but now they're like running the place. And I know that's something we talked about before. But the guy who uh, is the droid that Mando talks to is EV-99, which was actually a droid in Jabba's Palace in Episode 6. But he, um, it looks like, I don't know if that's the name of the droid or just the type of the droid. I would assume it's the name. Um, but he was voiced by Mark Hamill, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that was an awesome Easter egg. As soon as, I mean, it's not like you can tell at all, but as soon as they said it, I could like picture and hear him doing it in my head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was such a cool little place to throw in Mark Hamill. And that's something he would get such a big kick out of. Like, you could just picture him being, like, in the recording studio all day and being like, hey, we don't serve your kind. Like, that's <laughs> just, like, something he would not be able to get over. The droids are now running the cantina. <laughs> yeah. What would you pick? What, what was something that you really liked? So my favorite thing was definitely when they started talking about the Darksaber. Um, I loved getting like an up-close look at, you know, the, the actual prop that they made um, for the show because it's just such a quick thing at the end that we get a, a, a glimpse of and in the uh, finale. But I thought it was really interesting how Dave kind of put it in a way where he's like, we're not trying to replicate the prop from animation. We're not trying to make it look exactly like animation because the animation has its own style. So this is something different. And I like that they even went and took it like another step and they thought, how would George have done it as a practical effect, you know, back in the day? And they like took all of that into consideration when making it because it looks so cool. But it's, it doesn't look exactly the same. So I like right. that he like said it like that and was like, that was, you know, Clone Wars is a style. And it is. It's its, its own style of Star Wars, the way it looks and the, the way it's drawn. So I, I just thought that was a really interesting bit of insight on, you know, how they designed the Darksaber. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent agree with that. And I think they made the right choice with not trying to replicate it exactly. Because, I mean, if you look at it, the way that they stylized Anakin, it doesn't really look like Hayden Christensen, you know? Right. It really doesn't. Not that much. And even Obi-Wan and all that. And I think we're going to get here again. And we're going to take something, an animated Ahsoka... And potentially know, have a live action one and she's mm -hmm. not going to look the same i mean it's just that's how it is i mean i think if they if rosario dawson is exactly who they're going with i mean i think her facial features i think are pretty close i mean they look they look like ahsoka and you you know get her all done up in makeup and everything even probably more so but you know, you know, some people are going to complain about her look and stuff, but it's going from animation to live action 
And so obviously animation stylized and you kind of just have to understand that that's on purpose, you know? Right. Especially with things like that, like, oh, like a lightsaber that doesn't exist in our real world. There's not like a real world functioning thing that you can put into live action and have it look perfect. And there's not going to be a real world alien Togruta Ahsoka that you're going to be able to just materialize. Like even if, you know, it was Ashley Eckstein, it still wouldn't look exactly like Ahsoka. Yeah. You know, like she's an alien. So however they want to modify her to look the most realistic, like she fits and isn't like this, you know, odd, bright orange character in yeah. the middle of a, you know, live action set. Like I feel like, like, like I've seen people on, um, I'm part of a Ahsoka cosplay group on Facebook. I haven't started making anything to do with that yet, but it's, it's a life goal of mine, but I love watching other people do it. And there was a girl who, um, was doing different tests with makeup and she like, you know, Ahsoka's face markings are pretty stark white. And this girl had used like a more cream color. And there was, like, a debate of whether or not that would be approved by the Rebel Legion, which is, you know, the other end of the 501st that you were just talking about for the hero side of Star Wars. And I was like, but that's so cool. But it looks more real. It looks like it makes more sense on, like, a human, like, our faces in real life instead of just, like, this stark white against the stark orange. So I'm sure we are going to get a lot of modifications on some of these characters that we're going to be seeing that... Yeah. So we have so ingrained what they look like in our heads from the cartoons, but we're just going to have to really modify in our heads that like this is real now and we want them to look real. So don't be upset <laughs> when they look yeah. a little different. <laughs> a lot of these costuming organizations go by what's called a CRL, which stands for Costume Reference Library. And so it, typically, if you're the first person to create one of these costumes, if it looks good to like your garrison leaders and stuff like that, they'll approve it. So, like, let's say there's no Cad Bane's in the in the Legion. Well, there is now, but like when there wasn't, the first person typically gets the rights to this costume reference library, and so they'll write, okay, there needs to be. The gauntlets have to be this color. There needs to be a little greebly down here. There needs to be a snap here, a button here. This has to be this color, whatever, you know? And so if if someone's, you know, Cad Bane hat is too small, they'll need to make it bigger or, or whatever it is, you know? And mm -hmm. so they get, they get pretty strict with it. The 501st is more strict than the Rebel Legion. But I think if they ever do a live-action Ahsoka, obviously, you know, there's going to be a CRL for that, and the colors might be different than the animated one, so... We'll see. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's been an absolute blast talking with you, Jesse, and discussing our thoughts on Disney Gallery The Mandalorian. I'm sad to see this go because it's been such a pleasure watching how they made it and the care that goes into creating this TV show. Hopefully we get more of these. It'd be cool to get a Clone Wars one. It'd be, it'd be awesome yeah. to get that. Um, behind the scenes of, of season seven or something, but we'll see. I'm not going to be greedy. If this is all we get, that's all we get. But <laughs> right. It's, it's... They might move on to a different part of Disney because it is just the Disney gallery. <laughs> right. 
So we'll see what what happens, but it's been it's been fun. So um, that'll pretty much do it for this episode. We've got a lot of really cool things coming up as we continue on. Uh, we've been posting how's your Star Wars and action figure the action figure close up uh, every single week. We also have been getting podcasts out every single week. So uh, this upcoming week, we're going to be recording a bunch more things. And uh, we're coming up on the end of the month, which means we're going to be doing our TSO Book Club podcast on Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. And then come July, we're going to be having a lot more content coming out with all of our new members. And so I hope you guys are really excited about seeing those pieces of info out on our website and our social media platforms. Uh, Jesse, before we go, where can people find us on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and if you want to follow some of our newer video shows, like we just mentioned with uh, How's Your Star Wars Action Figure Close-Up and Space Buns, head on over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel, all under the handle at Twin Suns Outpost. All right, and if you guys are looking for places to listen to our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to episode 173. We'll be back next week, and as always, may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Airmaster Tatooine. It's controlled by the Hutt. Rendezvous point on Halloween. This time you will murder to meet the king.